This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Steve Ellis. That's Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. All right. We are going to be talking prospects. It's been a while. We actually, I don't think we've done one since the, the end of the World Juniors, but we did a lot in that time. So it was nice to give a bit of a break and uh, let Matt do his own show for a little bit on the fantasy side of things. But let's start off with how we, what we always do. Let's talk about a couple of prospects that are uh, catching your eye right now. Yeah, so I'm going to start off near the very top of the 2021 draft uh, class with Simon Edvinson, uh, the big Swedish defenseman, could be number one overall. You know, it's a, it's a weird year. Uh, there's certainly a couple of candidates, but he has been playing for Vasteris in the Allsvenskan, which is Sweden's second best circuit. Uh, he had been with Frölunda in the SHL, uh, but they loaned him out so he could get more ice time. And so far, it's been great for the kid. Um, he's got three points in four games, which for a junior age player, uh, small sample size, of course, but that is far and away the best in the Alston gone right now. And just watching him play, obviously, on video, uh, he's looking really good. I mean, this is a kid that's like six foot five already. Great skater, uh, very confident with the puck. He can make some nice moves. He's getting about you know, 15 and a half, 16 minutes a game of ice time. Uh, so very manageable. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been very impressed. I know scouts are, are pretty interested in him. Um, just to give people a sense, you know, I, I asked uh, one of my NHL scouts, you know, where does Edmondson rank amongst different young Swedish defensemen? He said, he's not as good as Rasmus Dahlin, but he's probably better than Philip Roberg. So he's between those two. So I thought that was kind of interesting just to give people a sense of what Edvinson's ceiling could be. Um, shooting over to North America for my second player, Jackson Blake. Uh, this is a high-skilled winger. Started out the year with the Chicago Steel of the USHL. He has now gone back to the Minnesota high school ranks. This is something that a lot of Minnesota high schoolers do. Uh, some New England prep kids you know, typically do it too, not this season, but, um, you know, they'll start out in the USHL, play the Minnesota high school season. And then when that's done, they'll go back to the USHL for the end of the year in the playoffs. So Jackson Blake, he was, he was pretty good for Chicago uh, originally. And that's a stacked steel team. He had 15 points in 21 games. And, you know, that's a team with Mackie Samuskevich, Sean Farrell, the Habs pick, you know, veteran Eric Middendorf, uh, Matt Coronado, who's up for the draft, like Josh Doan, tons of forwards there. So Blake was still getting his points there. Uh, he's the son of Jason Blake, the former NHLer. But now going back to Minnesota high school, playing for a very, very good Eden Prairie Eagles team. Uh, he's been just on fire. 18 points in four games. Uh, I've watched some of them. This kid has amazing vision, just super creative with the puck, great playmaking skills, bit on the small side, uh, you know, but that, you know, he can get stronger as time comes, uh, committed to the University of North Dakota, so a great landing spot there, um, so very fun to see what Jason Blake is doing right now, um, and then moving over to another North American league, uh, this one is like a digging in the crates sleeper pick, but I know scouts are watching him, Goaltender Arseny Sergeyev 
from the Shreveport Mudbugs of the Great NHL. Name. Great name. Cop a Mudbugs jersey if you can. The purple one, it's incredible. Uh, but anyway, so Sergey, a very interesting player, uh, six foot three. Um, USHL Omaha had him at the beginning of the year. They wanted to find a spot for him. Uh, you know, didn't work out. And, you know, as a young goalie, obviously he's got to get some starts. You know, he's, he's sort of bounced around a couple of different organizations since coming over to North America, just trying to find a crease. And even in Shreveport, you know, he's only gotten four starts so far, but he's had, he had two in a row uh, last week, one of which was a 63 save shootout win performance against Amarillo. He stopped all three Bulls shooters for the win. Uh, his save percentage is up to 951, and you can sort of see why after having a game like that. But, you know, Sergei, uh, a lot of potential there. He looks really good in net. Clearly, he can be the kind of goalie who steals a game for you. And uh, uncommitted, I, you know, I'm not sure what his future plans are, if, if he wants to go NCAA or if he'll just sort of keep playing juniors uh, until he turns pro. But, you know, scouts are very interested in this kid. And, you know, even though he, he hasn't had a lot of starts so far this season, a lot of scouts are keying in on what he's been able to do. All right, let's change some gears a little bit. And let's talk about your number one prospect for the 2021 NHL draft. We talked about that on a previous episode. And I guess at this point, has that changed in the last few months? Do you have a new number one? Or for people you're talking to, is there maybe more of a clear number one? For me, based on the people I've spoken to, Owen Power is, is still the number one. And, you know, I, I know there's, there's a pretty good crop of players that, that could be in that conversation. But what I can say is every time I talk to either, you know, a scout or, uh, you know, a director of amateur scouting or a GM, Owen Power is the first name that always comes up. You know, some say outright, yeah, he would be number one if the draft was today. You know, some when they talk about the different sort of tiers of players, because that's, a you know, a lot of teams break it down. They don't say like one, two, three, four, five, six. They'll say, okay, we have these kids in sort of a little cluster and then there's a ledge and then there's other kids and then there, you know, you go from there. Owen Power is always the first name. And, you know, as a freshman at the University of Michigan, I think he's shown very well. Um, it's, it's kind of funny when you're in the spotlight, people tend to nitpick and say, oh, is he dominating yet? Um, but you got to remember, he is a teenager and a defenseman as a freshman in the Big Ten, you know, playing for Michigan, um, you know, he's put up some decent numbers and I, I think he's comported himself quite well right now. So for me, I'm very comfortable saying, you know, it's Owen Power until I get information to the contrary. And, you know, I, you know, I mentioned Simon Edmondson as a, a potential there. Um, you know, I, I know I've seen Brant Clark's name out there as well. Um, even Luke Hughes. Obviously, there's a, some very good defensemen and there's some, some pretty good forwards as well. Um, even on that Michigan team, Maddie Veneers, Kent Johnson. But right now, uh, for me, it's Owen Power because that's what people are saying. Now, what do you say to people who, who point out that, you know, like Owen Power is a very talented player? But his, his, his thing isn't just like you look about him and people say, oh, you know, he's a big defenseman. Well, I guess what other things about him make him so attractive as a number one prospect outside of just being big? 
Yeah, well, I mean, he's a very good skater. Uh, he can contribute at both ends of the ice. And, and yeah, you, you can't ignore the size because he's like six foot six, <laughs> you know, as a teenager. And he, and he was a minor midget too. You could tell he was like a thousand feet taller than everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You always knew who the player on Mississauga was. Um, yeah. I mean, he just kind of has like the total package and, you know, this might not be the most dynamic year at the, at the high end of the draft uh, as, as we've seen in the past. And I know, I know people are a bit down on this draft, which we'll talk about later. But, um, you know, I was talking to a scout last year uh, who, you know, uh, an NHL scout that, that covers uh, the American Junior Leagues. And I asked him about Owen Power then. He said he's a unicorn, you know, like a guy that can skate, play both ends of the ice and has that size and put up the amount of points that he did last year with the Chicago Steel. Like you just don't see that in the USHL, which is obviously the best junior league in America. I, I don't think much has changed there. The projection is still that you're going to get a guy that can contribute to your NHL team for, you know, 10, 15 years. I remember seeing Owen Power uh, line up with Charlie Callahan, a uh, defenseman with the Mississauga Steelheads. And it was funny because Callahan, I believe at the time, was like five foot eight. And Owen Power was like six foot a thousand. And it just looked, it was a funny mix. It was like the, the, another one was, um, Peter Muzika used to play, uh, I think it was Vaughn he played with. And his defense partner was like, like he, he, Muzika was six foot two. So he wasn't like huge, but he was still like had good size. And his defense partner was like five, four. And it's like, again, right. it just like, <laughs> it didn't make much sense, but I love it. Now you did yeah. mention, uh, we were going to talk about the 2021 draft and its strength as a whole. And I, I, especially you've seen a lot of Vancouver Canucks fans ask recently uh, among other franchises, like, Oh, is this a year, good year for us to, to really tank for and the consensus really seems to be no this is not a super strong year to tank like if you're gonna tank you, you want a 2020 or you want 2022 but 2021 is kind of just there and then you add in the fact that a lot of these guys haven't been playing a lot this year some guys haven't played at all and um or some guys are going over to europe and playing outside of their comfort zone so we're not really seeing i guess fully of what these guys are fully capable of so that doesn't help but would you be in agreement with there that it's not the strongest draft to kind of tank for right now I, I would agree with that. And, you know, using the Canucks as an example, I mean, they have a lot of amazing assets already. So say they get the first pick overall, I'm sure Ottawa and Detroit will have something to say about that in terms of the standings. But, you know, if Vancouver gets the first pick overall, say they take Owen Power, I mean, they've already got Quinn Hughes back there. They've already got Ben and Horvat and, uh, you know, Hoaglander up front, who's been very good and is so young already. So, you know, you're really just adding another very good asset uh, to your war chest. And you're right, 2022, that's the tank year because Shane Wright, that's a kid who, you know, maybe he's not McDavid, but he could be on the same level as like Austin Matthews uh, or like Jack Eichel or Leon Dreisaitl, like somebody on that tier if everything shakes out the way we think it will. Like if you look at the projection on Shane Wright, like this kid's ceiling is super high. And then of course, behind him, you have Matt Savoy, you have Brad Lambert, you have Uri Slavkovsky. It's really good. And it's a really good NTDP year as well. Mm -hmm. um, although this year's NTDP, I think is pretty underrated as well, uh, just because of the depth of it. But yeah, going back to 2021, 
you're going to get good players. Uh, you might not get that like marquee guy, but you know, you look at what Maddie Beneers did at the world juniors. You look at a kid like that and you say, he probably doesn't need a lot more seasoning at the college game now because of the pandemic. Um, would it behoove him to go back to Michigan one more year? Perhaps. And, you know, for NHL teams, there is a benefit for players to develop there instead of in the NHL, because obviously you save on the entry level contract. It's basically free labor. You know, I could certainly see a situation where we don't see a lot of kids from 2021 go straight to the NHL. Uh, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Heck, if Owen Power went back to Michigan for one more year, that probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. Does that mean he should not be number one? No, I think it's totally okay. We haven't seen it since Eric Johnson. Um, but again, these are weird times. And I think that you want to think about the player's development first and foremost. And if that's the best course of action, then go for it. Yeah, uh, we talked about this a couple of days ago off camera. I kind of have to agree on that. I don't think we're really going to see a really a lot of these guys jump right up to the NHL, but that's okay. You know, you're, you're, you're not necessarily drafting for immediate need. You're, you're looking in the long-term situation here and, um, that if you're picking that early in the draft anyways, yeah, you know, you, you're going to get a solid player, but it is kind of funny how you get some years that are just like stacked offensive years. Like if you, if you look at 2022 and you look at Savoy and you look at right and you look at um, Bradley Amber, like any of those guys could go number one this year too. And it's just like, it's, it's a kind of a weird, it's weird how that happens. You kind of get these guys in clumps. It's like uh, you got like mm -hmm. a Vetchkin and Melk in the one year you got other guys like that. It's just, it, it's weird that how that happens, but um, I'm, I'm, it's, you're still going to get a good prospect and the teams that uh, do their most research, especially this year with how hard it is to actually get in-person viewings, the people who do their, their research are going to really benefit. And I guess if any year you really wanted some good results in the later rounds of the draft, it's, it's this year. Yeah. And it's funny. I was talking to uh, another American scout for an NHL team and, uh, you know, he was talking about the USHL because obviously the USHL has pretty much gone on, you know, I mean, there've been some postponements or cancellations, but I mean, they've been pretty much operating as normal as possible for the entire season. And, and even with that, he was saying, you know, there's going to be some teams that make some big mistakes this year <laughs> because, you know, you're not getting to see as many kids in person, you know, for the beginning of the year, um, you know, from the scouts I've talked to, like there was very little travel and then, you know, eventually it started to open up where guys were allowed to drive to games and then, you know, eventually they could do overnights. Um, I'm not sure if everybody is, or, or, or if anybody is flying yet, I, it feels like it's mostly road trips. Um, but because of that, you're taking scouts out of their comfort zone and, you know, they're, they're doing video, but these are not the staffers that are accustomed to doing a lot of video. You know, you have people in the organization who can excel at video scouting, but these sort of bread and butter guys, it, it's a bit new for them. And, you know, it, it can kind of throw off your rhythm where you really don't get the same sense of a player as you would in person. So it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of variation there is at the draft. And then, you know, sort of five years from now, how many fifth rounders are doing better in the NHL than second rounders. The, the, there was one, one quote you tweeted once the, not a couple of weeks ago that really annoyed a lot of people. And it was something from a scout you talked to who, who wasn't too fond of 
video scouting and and, and look like uh, i will always love the the ability to go and watch kind of any clips you want online that's really nice and there's some really good tools for that but um being in person you can fully focus on that guy you don't need to to rely on whatever the camera is showing you, especially in some of these leagues where the camera quality is not great, the their actions missed. I've seen enough junior A games where the goal is completely off camera. Like, like it's things like that happen. So it, it's nice to be able yeah. to kind of focus on the player and see what they could do in person. But they both work really well together, just like uh, the eye tests and advanced stats uh, that you see in pretty much every level of hockey at this point, except for five-year-old hockey all right let's uh talk about a guy who's currently in the nhl right now alexis lafreniere um people seem to be very concerned and i i follow a lot of hockey card trends and one was uh people were selling his rookie card for like three to five hundred dollars like when it first came out and then by the time the season started and he struggled for the first like four or five games people were selling for like 50 and 60 because no one wanted to pay the big money for him and like bust 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 they all said that about jack hughes last year people who've held on to jack hughes rookie cards have actually done quite well so far um but with with him it's he had one goal in his first 11 points so it's the only point he had he had some time in the top six he's kind of been given those opportunities but and at other points he's been sent down farther in the lineup and, and he just hasn't been able to do a lot with it and I'd understand if this was a thing where the top six was dominating and scoring. He was not really given those opportunities, but the Rangers just aren't really scoring either. Like that's just the Rangers are struggling as a group right now, but with Lafreniere, are you worried right now at this point? I know it's, we're talking like 11 games, but it is a slow start. Yeah, no, I'm not worried. Um, and you know, you, you brought it up like, you know, outside of our Temi Panarin, like the Rangers are really not humming at all. Um, you know, Lafreniere is tied in goals with Mika Zibanejad right now with one. So what does that say about the veterans on the team? You know, Zibanejad's really struggling after that monster year he had last season. You know, Lafreniere, he shoot, I think his shooting percentage is like 5.6% right now. Um, obviously, that's not going to be his NHL career. This is, you know, a teenager thrust into a weird situation. Uh, no training camp, you know, no exhibition. Well, no exhibition games, I should say, minimal training camp. You're thrown right into a lineup where, you know, I, we thought the Rangers would be better, but they're, they're obviously not clicking. Um, and he's been sort of bounced around, as you mentioned, you know, he's recently, I think he was playing with Brett Howden uh, on the third line. And, and, you know, Brett Howden is more of a shutdown guy. Um, you know, he had a chance to play with some veterans. The veterans weren't really, you know, getting in the puck in the places he needed them to be in. Um, but no, I don't worry because, you know, you think about Steven Stamkos' first 11, 12 games, uh, they were not successful at all. And I mean, most of that was Barry Melrose's fault. But we've seen this time and again where, you know, you even mentioned Jack Hughes, who struggled mightily in his first season. And then this year, he has been the excellent Jack Hughes that we all assumed he would be. So, you know, the spotlight, it's pretty bright on Broadway, but I would say that let Lafreniere just get his reps, you know, figure out the NHL and, you know, you're, you're probably not making the playoffs this year anyways, if you're the Rangers. Um, so just keep getting those young guys experience and enjoy him and Keandre Miller and Adam Fox and Capo Caco. I had a conversation with someone who was talking about like, cause I, I mentioned the one thing it's like, we are talking about a guy who, um, 
in previous NHL stoppages, the players could still go and play somewhere. And Lafreniere uh, wasn't going back to junior hockey, but otherwise his options were pretty limited unless he went overseas. So this is a guy who didn't play f- between like mid-March all the way to January. And that's hard for a guy who's never played a game of pro hockey. But then the argument was, well, you know, all these other guys had to wait this long, but that's just not necessarily true. Yeah, Kirill Kaprizov did not play in that time too, but he's also like one of the greatest KHL under 25 players we've ever seen. And he's got over about half a decade of experience already playing pro hockey. P.S. Suter was one of the best players out in in the Swiss League last year. I think he actually won the MVP award. Um, Phil Kurashev already played a year in the, the AHL. Uh, Niels Hoglander has already got a couple of years in the Swedish league. So a lot of these top scoring prospects are kind of in different boats because Lafreniere was like the one forward of those guys there that hasn't played a pro game heading into this year. So he had to adjust to that on top of not being able to play for so long. So again, you just got to really be patient with him. The Rangers, I know there's some reasons to criticize the way they've developed some prospects in the last couple of years, but um I'm not worried about Lafreniere. I think if, if we're talking about a regular year where he was able to to play in Traverse City and he was able to to have a proper um, tr- training camp and preseason stuff, I think we wouldn't be talking about a guy with one goal through 11 games. For sure. And for all those uh, hockey card people, Lafreniere is going to be GameStop. I'm calling it now. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. People are shorting Lafreniere. They shouldn't. Just got to uh, hold on. I don't have a Lafreniere rookie card, but I do have a Jack Hughes rookie card. And um, nice. the they there was there was a lot of talk about what Lafreniere was even going to get a card at this point of the year. Uh, not not interesting drama whatsoever, other than the fact there's rules that like up, you have to play like one game to have a hockey card. But right. because of everything going on, like the the cards came out before the season started, so you couldn't have a photo of him in a jersey. So uh. n- not that interesting a drama, but it it, it does exist. All right, so we got a really cool interview coming up, and I'll let you lead into that a little later, but I want to take a couple of the viewer questions first. And we got one from Quichi who asked, do you see space for both Victor Mate and Matthias Norlander in Montreal? And if not, who leaves? And I think the answer, the, the guy who is reportedly asked for a trade might be the guy who would probably be out of there, but uh, do, you, do you see them kind of both factoring into the team long term? Uh, not necessarily. And I, you know, I think you're right. You know, Victor Mete, there's already been talks about him wanting uh, a move and, you know, he hasn't been playing a lot this year, but the Habs are really good. So it's, you know, it's tough when you're winning, you don't want to make a lot of changes in the lineup. Um, for me, Norlander, I think he's been a little overhyped and that tends to happen, um, you know, with a a lot of Habs prospects. I I think he's a, a decent defenseman. He's never really wowed me when, you know, when I've seen him, in particular at the World Juniors, uh, when he was one of the older players, I didn't think he made a big impact. Um, you know, having said that, you know, he has a decent shot. But what I would say is that you got to remember the competition in the Habs pipeline, particularly on defense. And I'm going to name three guys. And um, I will say one of the one of the big problems is like pretty much everybody other than Shea Weber and Jeff Pedry are like lefties on the uh, Habs defense core and their pipeline. I'm already, I'm already, I can play. There you go. I was like, I don't care, but some, you know, a lot of NHL teams do, but anyways, so you got two players at Northeastern university right now, Jordan Harris and Jaden Struble. Both are very good defensemen. Jordan Harris, um, you know, he's in his third year with the Huskies. 
uh, sort of your prototypical modern, you know, puck rushing NHL defenseman can get you a lot of good offense. And then you have Jaden Struble, who's a sophomore. I see him more as a like, like classic Dion Phaneuf kind of player where he can get you offense, but he can also just run you over <laughs> with physicality. Um, so both players really fun to watch. Both are Habs prospect, and I don't see them playing college for too much longer. So, you know, in sort of like two, three years, you're probably seeing them competing for spots in the lineup. There's also Caden Gooley, uh, who played for Canada at the World Juniors, looked good. Uh, he was obviously Montreal's first rounder in the 2012 draft. And, uh, you know, another guy that uh, has size, uh, physicality, and can really skate. So you're looking at those three guys. You've already got Romanoff. You know, Petrie and Weber are your veterans. And, you know, Ben Sherrod has been pretty versatile for them uh, sort of in the past calendar year. So I don't know if Mete or Nordlinder will fit into the plans long-term, term, term, term. The halves is it's because they have so many options. So those guys are really going to have to earn their spots. And that's the best case scenario for an organization. You want those guys that are in Laval just like thirsting for a chance to play in Montreal. And those guys in Montreal, you want to make sure they know that if they don't keep it 100%, they're going down to Laval. All right, we got a question from James Tubb, and it's another one about Owen Power. And he asked, will Owen Power follow Rasmus Dahlin and Aaron Ekblad as the most recent defenseman taken first overall in the initial draft? Or is there any truth to his stock following because he did not play in the World Juniors? And I'm going to say absolutely zero chance of it being falling whatsoever due to the World Juniors. Anyways. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I have not heard that criticism at all, uh, but I try to stay off the – the hockey internets as much as possible, even though I am on Twitter and it, it, it is hard to avoid the other rankings you see out there. But yeah, with Owen Power, I mean, if you think back to Canada's training camp and what happened there, that was the best decision he ever made because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he stayed at, well, can't, Hockey Canada kind of made the decision for him. Um, but, you know, he got into real games with the Wolverines and we didn't know if he was even going to make Team Canada. I mean, they had a really good defense core, and obviously it was a very veteran defense core. So it was no guarantee he was even going to make the team as good as a prospect as he is. He stays in Michigan, actually gets his college game going, you know, got those reps, started to look comfortable pretty early on. And like I said, you know, in talking to scouts and GMs and, and scouting directors, uh, Owen Power has always been the first name. Uh, that people mention when I talk about the top of the draft. So I, I don't think he was uh, adversely affected at all. And I mean, I guess the interesting question now is do we see him at next year's World Juniors? All right, we have one last question I did not tell you about, but we just received it shortly ago from someone named I Love Salmon and Cheese. I not sure if those are related. Not together. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like an odd uh, combination. But he just asking what's one prospect that you really thought was going to go somewhere and didn't? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I can give you a second to think mine. So far mine is Eli Tolvanen. And I thought he was going to be something really special out in uh, Nashville. And uh, I, I was really kind of 
uh, in terms of the hockey card side of things, I bought a lot of his rookie cards. Like, I'm like, this guy's going to be doing something someday. And it's the same with Maxime Comtois. And there's still time for both of them. It's just not, not at the rate I kind of was really hoping either would be. But um, I, I'd say for Tolvin's one, and again, still early. You, you never know. And, and the other one I want to say is I, I was kind of hoping Zach Fucali would kind of prove people wrong. Because uh, I know there was a lot yep. of comments saying like, oh, well, he played a game like behind a really good team. If you looked at his stats, they weren't that great. But mm. uh, I was kind of hoping, you know, like he he was still the guy that, you know, yeah, he, he was not going to lead your team to wins, but he would at least make it so you weren't losing games. You, he was not the reason you would lose a game. And I was kind of yeah. hoping he would be able to prove that. So those are two guys that I'd say, really, I was kind of hoping we'd kind of do something. Yeah, yeah, those are good ones. I, I was always worried about Tolvanen because he was a perimeter guy and all his success happened on Olympic ice. Uh, but Fucali, I was definitely pulling for him. Uh, and, you know, he was a good dude too, which is always nice. I was, you know, thinking back, uh, Victor Tikhanov oh, was man. a player that I was really pulling for because he had such a cool backstory where, you know, he obviously has the amazing hockey lineage, but, you know, he was basically raised in San Jose. So he was kind of like this like surfer dude uh, with a super Russian name. <laughs> And, you know, he had the size and, uh, you know, he looked like he could, you know, he could do something kind of pretty early on. Um, and, you know, I mean, he turned into like a, a pretty good KHL player, but it never really worked out in the NHL. And then like Alexander Vermistroff as well. You know, I remember seeing him with the Barry Colts and, uh, and again, just like a, like a fun kid to talk to. Uh, but it never really worked out for him long-term in the NHL. So that was too bad. So those are two that come to mind for me. And two other names, because you're going to see, I really like goalies. Uh, Rico Hellenius, uh, the Tampa Bay goalie. I thought that he was going to be, like, I loved watching um, video clips of him on YouTube back when he was playing um, kind of in the junior and stuff like that. And then eventually a bit in the pro hockey. And I thought, oh, this guy could be pretty solid. He also had really cool pads. And I thought, you know, I would like this guy to do well. But also Leland Irving. I really thought, man, this guy was really going to be the the heir apparent to to Mika Kippersoff and was going to push Kippersoff mm. out of the equation. And both were drafted in 06. Neither ended up uh, doing anything in the NHL. But they, I think Irving, if I'm correct, actually, yeah, he plays in Austria still. Uh, he's played in FHC Balzano for the last couple of years. And he's uh, mm. he's one of the top goalies in Austria. So uh, not bad for him. He, he did have a, a little bit of a stint um, with San Diego a couple of years ago out of nowhere. Kind of just came back after a couple of years in Europe and came and did a couple of AHL games and didn't really go anywhere. But um, there, there was a, enough goalies that every year I kind of like, man, I really hope you would turn into something in. Didn't. Um, all right, so we got an interview. Who are we talking to this week? We are talking to Zach LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads, a nasty power forward uh, who scouts are pretty excited about him. You know, this is a kid with first round talent for the 2021 draft. And uh, yeah, had a great conversation with Zach and uh, hope you all enjoy it. All right, we'll go right inside the interview. Thank you everyone for watching, listening, however you consume this. Enjoy the interview. We're here with Zach LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Zach is a first-round candidate for the 2021 NHL Draft. To begin with, Zach, uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Um, to begin with, uh, you know, playing in the Quebec League, obviously it's a divisional format this year. It's just been uh, that maritime division for you in Halifax. And there have been, you know, a couple of stops and starts because of the pandemic. 
what has this schedule been like for you, you know, having these breaks when obviously you're used to playing a full season? Yeah, it's definitely, I think, a, a different than our, our usual scenario that we have every year. But I think we're just fortunate enough to be able to play. I think, you you know, you can look at other leagues and they haven't even started up yet. So I think, uh, you know, the Quebec League's done a really good job for, for, for letting us, you know, an opportunity to, to play. And I think we, we as players just need to be, uh, you know, safe and, you know, respect the rules. But uh, I think it's it's definitely a weirder format. You know, you're just trying to go day, day by day. You never know when it's going to be your last game of the season. Uh, it could be a big outbreak and then bang, you're, you're done. And that's kind of happened before Christmas. So I think, uh, you know, you just really want to take it day by day and, you know, not take a, a night off to, to impress the scouts and show them what you got. Right on. And when it comes to those extended breaks, have you focused more on your off ice training, like hitting the gym or were you trying to get on the ice as, as much as you, as you possibly could? Yeah, I think uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go home uh, for a month about and, uh, you know, I was able to get on the ice pretty much, you know, five, six times a week. And I think that's, you know, something that a, a lot of guys usually struggle with now because of, of COVID and the pandemic is finding ice time. And I think uh, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be able to get on the ice with, with a coach and work on little details to, to you know, bring my game uh, maybe a step better and have a, a great second half to really, you know, have my, my best chances for the upcoming draft. Excellent. Now, speaking of that maritime division, you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, just like the NHL, it's just playing in your own division right now. So you've been playing the same five teams all year. Um, from a rivalry perspective, what's that been like? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it definitely took a couple games to build up. But I think every game right now, you know, is high intensity. You know, you, you hate seeing the, the same guys every time. And, you know, when, you, when you're playing against them sometimes, you know, once or twice a week. You know, it's it's always a, a great game, a great level of, uh, you know, compete out there. And it's definitely interesting. And it's, it's a change from what we're used to. But I think a lot of guys are enjoying it. And it's just pushing everybody to really be better. Excellent. And you have sort of an interesting perspective because uh, you played for the Moncton Wildcats uh, last year. And then you were traded to Halifax in the offseason. When you played for Moncton, that was sort of a, an older team. Uh, um, and, and now in Halifax, a bit of a younger team. So you were going from being one of the younger guys in the team to being a player that your teammates are sort of looking up to. Uh, what was that contrast like for you? Yeah, it was definitely different. I think, you know, last year I had, a, you know, maybe a, not as big of a role on the team, but I can still, you know, be, be implied and, and, you know, be a, a great guy for the team every night. And I think uh, I was able to learn from, from guys that I played with. I think, you know, you just look at the leaders and the guys that are going to be able to play a pro on that team. And, you know, I was able to kind of sit back and, and, and learn from them and see what they were doing, you know, just the little details that's on pra in practice, uh, in games or just in the gym. And I think I, I was able to bring that this year to Moncton, maybe having a bigger role. Uh, I mean, to Halifax, sorry, having, you know, a bigger role. And, um, you know, I think we have a younger team this year, but we have a, a, a lot of potential. And I think, it, you know, if the, the way we're heading right now, we're in the right direction and it shouldn't take too long before we have, you know, some great success. Uh, and one of your teammates that actually came over to Moncton at the, from Moncton at the same time was Elliot Denoyer, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers prospect, who's had an incredible year uh, for the Mooseheads. Uh, what can you tell us about Elliot's game and, and why he's been so successful? Yeah, I think he's just that that pro build type of player. You know, never takes a day off. He, he you know, he's a guy that always has a smile on his face when it comes to the rink. But if it's practice or a game, once he hits the ice, it, it, you know, it's a flick of the switch and it's you know, it's go time. I think he he's just one of those guys that you know everybody can can look up to, can can 
you know, count on to, to be put on in, you know, key situations. And I think he, he, he's a guy that just pushes everybody to be better. And I think he's, you know, maybe one of those guys that flew under the radar the last couple of years, but with the, you know, the, the stack lineup in Moncton and stuff like that. But I think he's really getting his opportunities right now to, to show himself. And, you know, I had no doubt that, that he was going to be able to do this. Right on. Now uh, it is your draft year and um Obviously, scouts are going to want to know you uh, off the ice. They, you know, they can obviously watch you on the ice. Um, it's it's been all Zoom this year yeah. uh, for for scouting meetings. What is what has that process been like for you? Because you were saying you've already had at least a, a dozen scouts, if not more, have conversations with you over Zoom. Yeah, I mean, it's it's completely different. I think. Uh, if I'm just looking at when I was going to get drafted to, into the queue, you know, you, you meet scouts at the rink, you know, you talk to them face to face and now kind of being at home on Zoom, it's kind of just that different perspective. But I think, it, you know, it's great. And at least there is a, a way to communicate with the scouts, which is which is awesome for them. It kind of helps them a bit, even though it's not the, necessarily the best way. But I think it's, a, you know, it's not as stressful. It's kind of, you know, more laid back and it's easier to kind of fit around a schedule. To, to be able to do it over zoom and you know I think it's uh, something that the scouts have gotten used to and it's kind of you know good for the players to to be able to, to do that excellent now for your game specifically uh what do you think you would bring uh, as a strength to an NHL team if you were going to pitch yourself right now what are your strengths on the ice yeah I think I'm a high compete guy I think uh, you know every aspect of the game I want to win I want to be the best and I think that's what kind of strives me through his excellence and that's what kind of uh, you know helped me push my game to to another level uh, I think you know I have a good body that I can use whether it's winning my my wall battles or, or around the net I think it's really where I, where I strive and I think you know I just have a a high a high skill and a high uh you know, hockey IQ to, to, to make good plays at the good time. And, you know, when, when is time to be a bit more flashy and when it's time to kind of just, just be the gritty type of player. And, uh, you know, I think I have that good balance of both. Excellent. And which part of your game do you want to improve the most on right now? Yeah, I think the game's really going towards speed and speed, speed. So of course, everybody's going to say they, they, they want to improve their speed, but I think it's more really my first three steps, my acceleration. I think it's it's a part of my game, you know, that create the time and space that, that everybody says and talks about. And I think that's one of the aspects that I really need to improve if I want to make a, the, the jump to the next level. I know it's, it's a big jump and it's a big step, but I think if, you know, I really put in the work, I, I, I'm, I should be able to do it. Right on. And finally, if there was an NHL player that you'd like to model your game after, who would it be? Uh, I think Matthew Kachuk. I think, you know, just that, that gritty style of player, you know, always gets his nose dirty, is always involved in the play, but, but, you know, can also be relied on upon the coach. You know, you can put him in any situation of the ice. He'll, he'll block a shot for the team. He'll, he'll get his nose dirty in front of the net. He'll, he'll win his battles, but, you know, he still has that skill, that, that, that pure hockey skill that, that can, you know, really, use anywhere on the ice so I think you know that that type of player that type of balance is you know it's great and you know he has that high compete level that everybody wants love it thanks so much for doing this Zachary Zachary LaRue uh thanks for being on the prospect podcast thank you for having me